Good morning to you all. You may be uh, just a touch puzzled uh, at the moment when uh, in your bulletin you may have seen that uh, we should have been reading perhaps Romans, uh, sorry, Revelation 2, verses 1 to 7, and that we should have been considering uh, a letter uh, to Ephesus, a letter from Jesus uh, to Ephesus. And, uh, uh, but I didn't feel that, and we'll come to that a little later on uh, this morning, but I didn't feel that we could just go cold into um, Revelation 2 and that letter, which will be the start of a series uh, for the coming weeks, uh, when we will be looking at uh, the letters to the seven churches that were listed uh, in the reading that we've had from Revelation 1. I don't think we could go into that straight away without appreciating uh, something of chapter 1, to have that as a backdrop um, and, and a context in which we then go on and consider uh, each of the letters. So I shall be saying uh, something now by way of overview of chapter 1, and then we'll look at the letter a little uh, later on this morning. Now Morris has said to me, are we having two sermons this morning, or are we having one sermon in two parts? I said you're putting on the pressure, all right? I know what he means, all right? And, uh, but we'll, 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 we'll try to, to, to be reasonable with the time. <laughs> A speaker would say that, wouldn't he? <laughs> so then just, uh, with your Bibles in front of you, perhaps, might be helpful. Um, uh, we're given right at the very beginning in those opening verses, verses 1 to 3, what the book of the Revelation is. It is what it says uh, on the tin, as the advert would have it. It is an unveiling, all right, uh, from God himself uh, through Jesus Christ, uh, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place, to show the church as it was then what must soon take place. So it was an unveiling of future events as far as they were concerned, and uh, uh, they are still future, many of them, as, as far as uh, we are concerned uh, today. But to, as you read progressively through the book of the Revelation, which is not the easiest of books to read, there's a lot of extraordinary imagery uh, that you find within it. But what shines through clear in clear is not just the unfolding, the unveiling of events yet to take place, but it is a progressive revelation and unveiling of Jesus Christ and how he will be central to all that, that will happen in future days until everything finds its culmination in him uh, in the new heaven and the new earth and his kingdom and so on. So that is what the, the book is all about. In verse 4, we come down uh, to John's greeting. Now, this is, uh, we understand this to be the uh, Apostle John, and uh, he addresses it to the seven churches in the province of Asia. That is the Roman province of Asia, which uh, was part of Asia Minor. And he says it's from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. And uh, it, to me, that has shades of John's gospel about it, does it not? Uh, for those who are familiar with John's gospel, you come to 14, chapter 14, verse 6, is it, where Jesus said, I am the way, the, and the life. And so here he talks about the faithful witness, the truth, the firstborn from the dead, 
the life and the ruler of the kings of the earth, who himself uh, is the way. Just thought that came through quite nicely. That was not out of a concordance, I want you to know. That was, that was something that the Lord showed me, and I, I treasure that one this morning. And then when we come down to verses uh, 7 and 8, we see that the book needs to be read in the light of, first of all, the coming again of Jesus. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And then also in the light of who the author of the book is. Like every other book in the Bible, it's God. This is God's word. Uh, And here he is described as the Alpha and the Omega, the one who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. So it's the Almighty, eternal God, the one who is from everlasting uh, to everlasting. And uh, when he says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, It doesn't simply mean I was there at the beginning and I'll be there at the end. It's God himself who, as the eternal God, without beginning and without end, who determines what the beginning is and who will determine what the end will be. God's purposes will reign supreme throughout the whole of history and eternity. Then when we come down to verses 9 through to 11, we get the circumstances in which John finds himself and writes this letter um, and uh, the instructions uh, that he is given. And we see that John at this time by now is in exile on a little island called Patmos out there in the Aegean Sea, about 60 miles from Ephesus uh, that we will be considering a little later on. And he describes himself as he writes to his fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to these seven churches that he is their brother and their companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Christ Jesus. How appropriate that we should be hearing from Ruth Martin this morning from Open Doors, which is also about those who suffer for their faith in Christ. And then he said, on the Lord's Day, I was in the Spirit, and he heard... A loud voice like a trumpet, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches that are listed there. And so this book, which was coming by revelation from God through Jesus, was to go to these seven churches uh, uh, that are listed. And it would, in fact, include a letter to each one of them. And it is the seven letters that we're going to be looking at in turn Uh, in the coming weeks in this series, A Letter uh, from Jesus. Now, the rest of the chapter is given over to the vision that Jesus has of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And what an awesome vision it is. Verse 12, he turned around and he sees the voice that was speaking to me. Interesting that. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. You usually hear a voice, but he turns around to see it. And what he saw was seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was something like a son of man. And the imagery that follows very much echoes, all right, uh, the vision that Daniel had in chapter 7 of his prophecy. Now, you might like to read that uh, this week. Um, It's uh, striking similarities. Now, imagery is strong in, in Revelation, as I've said already. And uh, 
it is not per se what John saw in the vision, although that was an awesome image and vision to have of the risen and glorified Christ. But it is what each of the elements of, of, of that vision of Christ meant. Now, when you read the Bible commentators, each has a slightly different take on it. Uh, and the take that I'm going to give you now is, is from John Stott, the late John Stott, that great uh, Bible scholar and Bible teacher. And so we see that uh, um, there is this son of man, uh, dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. And so his appearance would be like that of a king or of a priest uh, or a judge. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow. Perhaps speaking of his wisdom as the ancient of days. Uh, I stand before you pretty white-headed this morning, but the wisdom isn't very great. That uh, is from John Stott. Um, but others have said that perhaps the whiteness, uh, as white as snow, uh, refers to the holiness, the purity, the holiness uh, of God. His eyes were like blazing fire, speaking to us of the all-seeing, penetrating eyes of God that searches even down into our hearts to know our innermost thoughts. His feet were like bronze, glowing in a furnace, perhaps speaking of his strength uh, and his might. His voice was like the sound of rushing waters, speaking of his power. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword, speaking of his authority and the truth uh, of his words. His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance, speaking of his glory. And the sight, the overall sight that uh, John had of, of this risen, glorified Christ, was dazzling and it was fearsome. It wasn't just a, a sight, it was sound. It were sound effects that came with it as well. No wonder then when John saw this vision of Christ, he said, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. <laughs> I guess he was quaking in his boots, who wouldn't we have been quaking in our boots and responding perhaps as John responded, all right, because it was an awesome and a fearsome sight. But Jesus says, do not be afraid. And uh, I just thought of the number of times that that phrase, do not be afraid, seems to appear in the scriptures. And uh, I actually did a Google on it. And it's 80-odd times that that phrase in the Bible, do not be afraid, appears. And it always comes at a landmark occasion when God is going to do something new and something extraordinary that's strategic uh, to its purposes. Uh, I suggest you perhaps go back and just look into some of those in your own time when, when God takes up people and, and, and moves the plot on from his uh, point of view. And he says, I'm the first of the last. I'm the living one. I was dead, and now look, I'm alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and of Hades, the place of the dead. 
Praise God. <laughs> that is our Savior. That is our Sovereign. And that is our great High Priest. And He is on our side. He is for us. Now, He's going to have some severe things to say, as we will find uh, in the coming weeks, to some of these churches. But equally, He's got plenty of good, approving things that He can say. But He is saying it, all right? as the one who is sovereign, saviour, and great high priest, the one who is for us, the one who is on uh, our side. And so John is told uh, to write what he'd seen. And then this mystery of the seven stars that he saw in the right hand and of the seven golden lampstands was explained. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands, are the seven churches. So going on from now, whenever we get lampstand in each of these letters, we know that it's referring to the church itself. And so we see that Jesus is present in his church. That was what John saw. He was amongst the lampstands. He's present in his church, and he stands with his church. He stands with us but he's also very concerned for his church, as we shall see, because it bears its name, his name, and it operates in his name. And uh, as we scrutinize each of the churches in turn, uh, we find that there are things that he is able to commend and approve and praise them for and encourage them with, but equally there are things that he looks at which he cannot approve of. He disapproves. And he condemns them for it. And they are issues that need to be dealt with. So when we come to the end of the series, we will have a good idea of what God approves of, for what God looks for in his church. And that will give us, if you like, a benchmark to which we as a church uh, need to aspire if we're going to be a church that brings honor and glory to him and a church that is blessed of him as we move forward uh, in his will to the future and all that God has for us. So that by way of background, and we'll come to the actual letter uh, in a few minutes. Well, not a few minutes, because Ruth's going to have her bit yet.